Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI.com's Brian Strauss and SI.com's Ben Littleton. We have an absolutely packed show for you this week. Uh, a couple of special guests later on. We have Alex Abnos speaking with Leicester City defender Christian Fuchs. We also have Brian talking one-on-one with San Jose Earthquakes and U.S. Men's National Team forward Chris Wondolowski. So plenty to delve into with those two players. But first, Brian and Ben, I want to start talking uh, with the latest around Europe. Uh, If you haven't gotten a chance to read Ben's weekly column for us yet, you absolutely should because you're missing out. He basically wraps up the biggest stories in all of the biggest leagues uh, around the European continent. Uh, And for this, Ben, I want to look forward now. Uh, There's been a lot of midweek games. Um, and, and spinning forward to the weekend, there are a lot of races heating up, especially in, in the Premier League and in Spain. And I want to get your takes on the biggest stories going forward in each of the five big leagues. If that sounds good to you. Sounds great. I mean, the, the best place to start is in England because you're, you've spoken to Christian Fuchs, who's uh, played a major part in, uh, in Leicester City's surprising run to, uh, to the Premier League title. But it could all change because the next couple of games are going to be hugely important for them. And they're going to have to cope in the next game, certainly, without Jamie Vardy, their top scorer and one of three guys who's actually started every game for them this season. Now, the likely reserve player for for Vardy, who was sent off and suspended uh, because of his red card against West Ham last week, will be Leo Ujoa, who's a totally different type of player to Vardy. Vardy likes... Uh, to use his pace to play on the counter. Ujoa is, is a traditional target man and is good at holding up the ball and, and great in the air. So you'd imagine Leicester would have to change their approach against Swansea. And meanwhile, coming up on the rails of Spurs, who destroyed Stoke City 4-0 on Monday night, that coming on the back of beating Manchester United 3-0. They are the form team at the moment. So any slip-up, that, uh, that Leicester might have. It looks like Spurs are ready to pounce. It really is exciting, and it could come down to the last weekend. Yeah, it is it is nuts that it's it's kind of getting getting to that point where where all of a sudden there's there's some doubt again. And Brian, we were just talking about this before. Tottenham, which has waited so long to, to get a, a title again, they could end up being the, the bad guys out of all of this, right, with so many people you know, in Leicester's corner wanting the story to happen. Yeah, just to sort of preview uh, the chat we had with Wando, uh, he, he revealed that he is a Tottenham fan. And so we were kind of laughing about the fact that, you know, here's this team that 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 seems likable, uh, that that has never been sort of one of the, uh, you know, the financial elite uh, of England that has waited five decades for a league title. Uh, and now if they pull it off, it, what normally I think would be celebrated by everybody, now a lot of people are going to look at them as the bad guys. Uh, because they ruined the Cinderella story of Leicester. It's kind of amazing. It is. It is pretty fascinating um, and, and certainly a, a race to watch over these next few weeks um, as as it heats up. But you know what? And it's almost better that it's not decided already. It just kind of builds that drama. I know we've been – I personally didn't think anything could top the drama of, of the Manchester United-Manchester City uh, final day title race um, back in, in 2012, but – if this goes down to the final day and Leicester's at Chelsea with the chance to win it and they need to win at Chelsea of all places, um, that that could potentially do it for me. There's something romantic about this race as well because City's title race, while it was very exciting, it, it was built on the millions that have been invested into the side. Both these clubs have not spent huge amounts of money to get to where they are. And in fact, Spurs have... Um, made money in the transfer market since Pochettino has been coached and built this team around a core of English players. So there's a phrase um, is very Spursy in Sir Alex Ferguson's team talks when his United side went to um, went to White Hart Lane to play Spurs was simply three words. It's just Tottenham. And so whatever would happen, they they think there'd be a mental frailty. But that seems to have gone. But the the irony of Spurs having their best season for 30 years is is that in the one season that the likes of Manchester City, Arsenal, United, Liverpool and Chelsea all fall away. They, they come up against this unlikely juggernaut um, that no one saw coming. So you, you throw forward to next season, regardless of what happens this season, you, and you wonder 
Will Spurs get a better chance than this year to ever win it? And, um, you know, if Leicester win it, where will they be next season as well? What will they do? Will they keep Mares? Will they try and cash in on some of their star players? How will they cope in the Champions League? It's really interesting and it just adds to, to the excitement of the storylines next season as well. Hey, Ben, speaking of uh, mental frailty, has anyone there sort of tried to link Vardy's meltdown uh, over the weekend with perhaps the pressure and the spotlight that started really starting to build on Leicester and how are they going to cope with the run in and and do they have the, you know, the the composure to handle all of this as they really kind of go for it over the last few weeks? Well, it's a really good question because surprisingly not. And in fact, the that's, that's very un-English press. It, well, exactly. But there's always a scapegoat when it comes to the English press and, and, and it, you know, anyone connected to English football. And in fact, Roy Hodgson pointed this out as well when he d- totally defended Vardy against accusations of diving. And it's all come down on the referee, John Moss, who was so inconsistent in his decision making that actually the one piece of consistency he did manage to put off is that all sets of fans managed to boo him at the final whistle. So everyone was, uh, was annoyed at his performance. Um, but, you know, it, it's the referee that's taken all the flack for, for the Vardy decision, not Vardy himself. Although, you know, when you look at his reaction or overreaction to the red card, you'd have to say that that comes down to pressure. And yeah, they, that's what I was more referring to. And I guess I guess he faces uh, the possibility of additional sanction now, right? Absolutely, which could rule him out of the United game. Now, Leicester might be able to get past Swansea without without Vardy, but getting past United, who are still battling for, for fourth place and somehow, you know, cobbling together decent results. Is a, is a totally different proposition. So it, it was um, an error of judgment by Vardy, but he hasn't taken any stick for it at all. That's an that's an interesting point for sure. Um, wanna wanna move on now to to a different league and and let's go to Spain first, where Barcelona. All this talk about a slump. All this talk about how these players are done and worn out and tired and just done for the year. They come out and beat Deportivo eight uh, nothing on Wednesday. Luis Suarez a factor in seven of those goals, four goals and three assists. Now, all of that said, Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid won also. So right now, as it stands on, we're taping this on Thursday, heading into the weekend, Barcelona and Atletico level on points, Real Madrid one point behind. Ben, is the slump over? Is this Barcelona's race to to win still, despite the fact that Atletico and Real Madrid are right there? Yes, it is, but it, but it always was going to be. But what's interesting about what happened on Wednesday is that this was... The, the round of games that was the hardest for probably all the clubs, especially um, Atletico playing at San Mames, difficult stadium, Athletic Bilbao, very tricky. And Real Madrid up against Villarreal, who've had an excellent season themselves and are likely to finish in fourth and pick up the last Champions League place from La Liga. So there were two very tough games for the Madrid sides. And Barcelona coming into the game on the back of three La Liga defeats Although after the game, Luis Enrique said, well, we didn't play that differently to, to how we did against Valencia. We just took our chances and as opposed to missing our chances. And I, I think there's something in that. They did create a lot of chances against Valencia, but came up against a goalkeeper who was in, on form and in Diego Alves. But also, you know, they missed a lot of chances. And I think um, against Deportivo, it was much easier for them. Um, but they were clinical. And this is what Suarez is so good at, just putting chances away He's now scored 49 goals in 48 matches this season. It really is astonishing. And they are they have to be the favourites, as they were, I think, before the weekend. But it is, it is much more exciting now because any one slip from any of them could allow someone else in. Um, but Barcelona are now out of Europe, so have no, um, no other distractions in terms of uh, big, big games coming up. Away from that, they're in the Copa del Rey final at the end of the season, but you know they're four games away from it. They really should go on and win it now. Right, you would expect them to run the table at this point and and just kind of polish it off. Um, and I think if if Wednesday's game is any indication, then then that's <laughs> what's going to happen. But the fact that this race is still open, right, and one slip up, and and they're and they could potentially lose this trophy as well, uh, is pretty staggering com- considering where we were, um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. Their recruitment seems totally bizarre. I mean, I look at Barcelona against Valencia and they threw on uh, Gerard Piquet up front. I mean, he was playing at centre-back. 
he was he was their emergency centre forward. And this is you're talking about one of the best teams in history who plays a centre back at centre forward for the last twenty minutes when they're chasing a game because they didn't have the money to buy a proper centre forward cover um, in the January window who could have been Nolito, but they also looked at a couple of more experienced players like Dirk Kout and Luca Toni. Um, and I actually um, mentioned in my column on Monday that I think they could do worse than look at Fernando Torres as a veteran striker to come off the bench, like Henrik Larsson was so useful when they won the Champions League in 2006. They need a striker who can score goals um, more efficiently than Gerard Piquet can, for sure, because he missed a great chance at the end of that Valencia game. And I think if they get their recruitment right, you know, they could be up there. But this is a Barcelona side that's doing brilliantly in spite of a weirdly imbalanced squad. Yeah, and Lord knows Torres has scored enough goals against Barcelona that it might not even be a, a bad a bad addition just to take that away from uh, from the opposition. Um, going on to to a player I know you want to talk about who's been talked about as, as a potential signing for Barcelona in the past, um, and that's in the Bundesliga, Mats Hummels. Yeah, well, he's a, a key player, obviously, at Dortmund. Their captain, their hero, someone who signed for Dortmund um, at a very young age from Bayern Munich and then went on to prove Bayern were wrong to let him go by winning two league titles with Dortmund and reaching the Champions League final with Dortmund in the Klopp era. And for the last couple of years, he has been um, named among the best central central defenders in the world and heavily coveted by, by top sides. He's always stayed faithful to Dortmund, but now he's 27. It looks like um, that relationship might come to an end. In fact, he gave an interview um, after the game against Hertha Berlin on Wednesday night, the, the, the cup semi-final that Dortmund won to set up a cup final against, you guessed it, Bayern Munich again. Um, and he said, yeah, I've been having sleepless nights over my future. Um, it's, I, it's, I'm really struggling. Lots of teams want me and I don't know what to do. And this is a way of him easing the fans into thinking that, or getting used to the idea that actually he might be the next big player to leave this club. And his dad took things one step further by saying, well, some of the biggest clubs in, in the world have shown interest in Mats and they include Bayern Munich. And of course, we have to consider everything. Now for Bayern to come in and sign Hummels after signing Lewandowski, after signing Goethe, having a habit of taking Dortmund's best players and then winning everything with them, taking Hummels would be the ultimate insult because Hummels used to play for Bayern in the first place. And by staying at Dortmund for so long, he was rejecting everything that Bayern stood for. But I think this is clever expectation management from, from Hummels' dad because if he does leave, and I don't think he'll go to Bayern, but if he does leave and go to, say, Barcelona or Man City or Chelsea or wherever, the fans will be so happy that he hasn't gone to Bayern, they actually will forgive him for having left the club in the first place. That's interesting. And centre-back, I feel like, is just such a there's just a dearth of, of talented ones now in, in the world that I really could call world-class. And it's been like that for... For a couple of years now, so you know, Hummels in one one case is, is just trying to maximize his own value. Um, and look, if if the buzz is there, you, you can't blame him. It's ridiculous how often you like a player catches your eye, and you and you want to read something about him, and so you look him up, and he's French. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, let's let's go with that though. Let's let's go to France. Um, then uh, there's there's some some intriguing times at at Marseille, huh? Okay, so Marseille, uh, club in crisis, have been for ages. Uh, this season in particular, they're down in 15th in uh, Ligue 1. They um, have not won in in the league uh, since beginning of February, which is uh, 11 games ago. And all through the season, the president was saying, well, let's stick with the coach to the end of the season and see what happens. It was very publicly agreed that um, the coach, Michel, would, would be leaving at the end of the season. And then suddenly, last week, it all got too much. And Marseille lost um, at Monaco 2-1. And Michel was out of the door. He was sacked a day before, or two days before, Marseille's French Cup semi-final against Sochaux. And this was weird, because if you're going if you, to you're sack him, you might as well wait three more games till the end of the season. But they just couldn't wait any longer. And Everyone at the club was sick of him. He was very smiley and always put a happy 
take on things and just saying, well, we're not getting the rub of the green. The pressure is enormous down in, down in the south of France. They're the, um, one of the biggest clubs in, in France. They're up for sale now as well. So anyway, they've shown in the door, but they've tried to dress it up as um, uh, what they call in France foot professionnel, which is, I guess is um, behavioural issues in, in how he's done things. So they're trying... They've got rid of him, but they're trying to avoid paying him off. And he is holding out for the payoff. And I, to be fair, I don't really blame him. So that's probably going to get messy. In, in spite of all that, somehow Marseille managed to beat Sochaux. So they're in the French Cup final where they will play PSG, their big rivals. Um, you can only see one winner of that. But the side plot to that game is that Lasana Diara, who has been Marseille's best player this season by far, um, is probably going to join PSG next season. There are going to be lots of other players leaving Marseille because Mondonda, the captain and goalkeeper, is out of contract, and Kulu, the centre-back, is out of contract. Two great players who are going to be available on a free, and their star striker, Michi Batshuayi, is going to leave for the Premier League as well. So it's going to be a huge rebuild at Marseille. New coach, new owner, new president, and, uh, well, hopefully... Um, new um new results as well because uh they deserve to be in the top half of the table for sure now real quick i want to finish up uh on on italy and one of the more romantic stories i guess you could say in, in world soccer uh francesco Totti. ben what's what's the latest with him in roma well it's changing every week on uh, monday i wrote that spalletti and totti had a row because totti scored a very late equalizer against atalanta and then after the game in the tunnel said see that's what happens if you leave me on the bench and don't give me a chance to play more minutes um, I can make a difference. And sure enough, um, the next game, Wednesday night against Torino, Totti comes on on 85 minutes with a side 2-1 down. His first touch was a volley to equalise, uh, to make it 2-all. Uh, he ran behind the goal, had quite an extensive celebration. Um, but two minutes later, there was still time for him to score another goal with his second touch uh, from the penalty spot. So overturning a 2-1 deficit to win 3-2 and suddenly... El Capitano, Totti is the hero again. Um, but with four games left, you just don't know what, what it's going to mean for next season because Totti wants more game time. Spalletti wants to use him as an impact sub. And there is talk that there's interest from America, from Leicester City, from other clubs. So Totti's future is up in the air. But if I was Spalletti, I would uh, use him a bit more and keep him on side. It's just fascinating to see, honestly, and and it's almost like in spite of this this feud that's going on, he comes on and he still plays for the only club he's ever known, um, and you can see how much it means to him, to the fans. Uh, seeing those two goals on on Wednesday, I thought was was really cool. Um, ben, thanks so much for for taking that spin with us again. Read Ben's column every Monday on Planet Football around Europe. Uh, you'll get insight just like this, uh, just in written form. Um, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. First of our two guests today, Christian Fuchs from Leicester City. Hi, everybody. Alex Abnos here. I'm the producer for the Planet Football podcast. And before we get to my interview with Christian Fuchs, I want to tell you about another podcast that I'm involved in here at Sports Illustrated called Draft Season. Now, this isn't your normal NFL draft podcast. There are no mock drafts. There's no speculation about picks. There's no trade talk. There's no combine measurables. You don't hear about how fast somebody runs the 40. Draft season is all about stories and how every pick is a player and every player has a story. Now, we've done a few episodes so far, but the latest one is about Christian Hackenberg. He's the former Penn State quarterback, and it's all about his experience convincing teams that he can be the face of their franchise. Even if you're not a big football head, I think you'll find something to like about this episode because, again, it's about stories, not about football talk. So give it a whirl, see how you like it. You can find it by searching Draft Season on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You could also go to si.com slash draft season to check it out. Now, without any further ado, here's my interview with Christian Fuchs, who says a couple things about American football in this interview. Our guest on the Planet Football podcast today is a defender for Leicester City, which currently leads the EPL by five points as we record this. He's also captain of the Austrian national team, which will be playing in Euro 2016 this summer. And he's also coming to the United States. He's playing with Leicester in Los Angeles against PSG as part of the International Champions Cup in July. 
He is Christian Fuchs. Christian, welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. Hi, Alex. Nice having me here. Thank you. Um, now, before I get to any of that stuff I just mentioned, uh, you have what might be the best hashtag in world soccer. No Fuchs given. Uh, you have a whole new line of shirts now, I see, that was just announced available at nofuchsgiven.com. How were you made aware of this, I guess, hashtag saying? And uh, how's it feel to have your own little piece of the internet, I guess? You know, since I, since I made my transfer to England, you know, I started with social media. I really focused on that because I simply wanted to show people the way I am, you know, who's Christian Fuchs, who's the the person behind the, the soccer player. So, yeah, we, I played around a little bit with the name and we ended up using this hashtag, no Fuchs given, which simply is an attitude, you know. It's not only not only a hashtag, it should show people to the way I live my life, you know, to be bold and brave, you know. I mean, everybody, I believe everybody has been in this situation that you then you need to do something, but you don't really want to do something, you know? And then you simply think like, you know what? I don't give a fooks and and I simply do it. And most of the times it also helps me. And uh, I end up doing those things like some appearances or whatever it is and having a lot of fun with it. That, that, that's that's interesting. So would you say that, you're, that, that no fooks given applies to just your general life or your play on the field or or is it both? Everything, everything, simply everything. That, that's simply the way I want to live my life, you know. Not to, not to be scared of anything, to be brave, to simply have fun. And I think that also shows on the videos that I that I took with a few of the players from from Leicester that we are simply having fun together and uh, in a no fuchs given way. <laughs> um, now moving on to Leicester City, uh, you actually you made the move there. Uh, in the off season, when Nigel Pearson was still the manager, um, and then he was let go, and then Claudio Ranieri came in, I, I mean, I would suggest that maybe going from Schalke to Leicester City was a little bit of a no Fuchs given sort of sort of move. That's right. That's right. <laughs> did, did it feel that way to you at the time? And uh, when did you know that Claudio Ranieri was was the right guy to to lead the club? Well, basically, it was very weird for me because. Like you said, I was signed by Nigel Pearson and I never really met him in person, even until now. So, you know, we never know what's going to happen now, what's going to happen next, who's going to be the new manager, what are his ideas. And and when Claudio Ranieri was appointed, I was like, okay, it's a big name, you know, everybody knows him, he's very popular and I thought he can he can definitely help, but still not knowing what's going to be the philosophy, what's going to be his plan with all the players. But but to be fair, I, I just took it the way it is, you know. I mean, I just signed for the club. You cannot change the circumstances anyway and try to make the best out of out of the current situation. And to be fair, it worked out really well. I mean, I, I played many games this season. He He's trusting me. He's letting me play. And and I think he, he has a big part. Uh, he plays a big part of Leicester being so successful. Um, now your game, your last game against uh, West Ham, it got pretty wild uh, there at the end. Uh, how how do you manage your emotions, both you personally and also as a team? How do you manage your emotions in a game like that when there's you know there's so much on the line and so many you know kind of crazy things going on on the field, especially there at the end? Well, you cannot always manage your emotions all the time. You know, I mean, <laughs> football is simply a very very emotional game and the players have emotions and that's just normal. I think that's, that's simply a, an important part of, of football overall. But, you know, when you're there on the field, you still have to focus and and try to achieve something, you know, and try to score a goal. I mean, you have one man down, which doesn't help. You have one, two down, which is even worse. But, you know, we have this belief in ourselves that we can still do it, you know, that we never gave up, that we kept going and and at the end we had this penalty and I think the draw was more than deserved. Uh, now obviously you guys will be out, uh, without Jamie Vardy for the next game. How do you think you guys will manage uh, without, you know, your leading scorer on the on the field in the, in your upcoming game? I mean, I think it's it's not fair 
teaching Mivali, but also not to the team to make everything just to point out only one player, you know? I mean, sure. okay, it's a red card, you know, we have to uh, we have to handle it. We have to handle it in the next few games. He's an important player, definitely for us. He scored a lot of goals, but now it's the time for other players simply to step up to show that they can also perform well and score goals. I mean, I mean, Ushua, Leo, he came in and he's, he took the penalty in the very last second. I mean, I couldn't even look there, you know. That's how, how much <laughs> tension was field then. And, you know, he yeah, took sure. charge and he scored the penalty. And that only show, shows that, you know, there are players that are able to take charge, that want to take charge. And, and yeah, if they are part of the team and if they will play, they will play a big part and a good role for for us to be successful in the upcoming game. Right. Now, you guys are, of course, locked in this uh, pretty exciting title race with Tottenham right now. But re- regardless of what happens with that, uh, you're pretty much definitely going to make the Champions League. You have experience in the Champions League there, um, unlike a lot of members uh, of the team. What, in your opinion, is going to be the biggest challenge uh, for Leicester in making that jump uh, to the Champions League level? Well, I think, first of all, everybody's excited and looking forward to playing the Champions League. Sure. Into the the biggest the biggest tournament in Europe for on on for clubs and it's something exciting you know I mean I I had three seasons in the Champions League so far and every single season was simply exciting it was it was outstanding to me you know you play against those big teams and and I'm happy to be there again I'm happy to be there with Leicester because this team simply deserves deserves this. This this tournament, this Champions League, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's I, I I cannot put it in words, you know. I mean, given where we are coming from, it's simply something that I cannot really realize yet. But like I said, it's very deserved, and I'm happy for every single player here that we have reached the Champions League. Now, moving uh, internationally, uh, you're obviously the captain of the Austrian national team. Uh, you all are playing in the Euros this summer. Uh, Austria, of course, has a pretty ha- pretty proud history in soccer, but it hasn't been a huge presence on the on the international stage for a little while. Uh, what was it like coming up as a player uh, in that kind of environment? Like, did you feel some sort of a mission to kind of uh, get Austria back in these big uh, international tournaments? You know, I'm playing for for the Austrian national team now for ten years, and like you said, it's not it has not always been. Uh, a good time there. We were really at some point where we didn't play good football at all. But, you know, over the last couple of years since Marcel Koller was appointed as the manager, we advanced. We took it step by step like we do it here at Leicester. It's the same philosophy. It's the same philosophy. I've had two teams and, and you know, with this with continuing the way that we started a couple of years ago, we we grew, we got better. Our our players also got more confidence, you know, at the national team, and eventually we made it to the Euros. And same with Leicester, you know, we are so happy to be there. It's it's something that I've been working on for ten years now, and finally, finally, I made it to a big tournament. And yeah, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I'd imagine it's a it's a big achievement. Uh, you're you're in a group with uh, Portugal, Iceland, and Hungary. Pretty interesting group, uh, to be honest. Just as an outsider, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. What are what are your goals for the squad in the tournament? Is it just to get out of the group, or do you have any uh, any higher ambitions? Well, I think that a lot of people underestimating Hungary and Iceland. You know, for me, sure, yeah. obviously Portugal with with their stars. Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, they are the favorites of the group, but but people are forgetting that Iceland, but also Hungary, you know, that they have kind of a similar situation like we have, being at the US for the first time or for the first time after a long time. And they also have like big ambitions and a big enthusiasm in, in the country. So it's not going to be easy. Uh, for sure, they are they're underestimated so far, and we will see. You know, uh, it's going to be tough games. The group will be tough, and I, I, I think. Um, but you know, we have those three games, 
they are there now. We are playing them, and I think the quality in our team is is high enough to to get into the finals, which I'm sure that we could achieve that. But it's going to be a, a tough way reaching them. Is what you mentioned about the Austrian team in Leicester uh, being similar is actually really interesting because they you know they do have kind of similar stories in terms of rises uh, rises from relative uh, obscurity or at least from from a lower place if you had to identify like a something similar about about both teams like whether it's an attitude or a, or a style of play like what what is it that's allowed both these teams to to rise so quickly I mean right now I have two similarities right away first of all is simply the philosophy that the each manager is giving us on their way, you know, to take it game by game. That only the next game is the most important one that is all the focus on and that we can affect, you know. It it doesn't help to think further than that because you know, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really help if you then lose this game but you're thinking already what could happen when, you know. So to take it game by game and the second one is simply that within the teams we we're having a good atmosphere. We're having fun. You know, each player with each other. It's it's simply two teams where where the spirit is very high and very positive. And and I think this is also a big part of of being successful these days. I mean, I feel like attitude is always important uh, in in any kind of team, right? No, no, obviously. You know, when there's positive attitude, then of course you 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 like to go to work uh, with more pleasure. You know, you. It simply helps us to be successful. You also being successful, you know, is is a plays a big part in having a good atmosphere. So it's it goes both ways. But as right now in both teams, uh, both both things are happening. Sure. Um, now, lastly, uh, Leicester City will be coming to the United States. You all are playing in Los Angeles against PSG. It's a pretty good location for a Hollywood story like you guys. Um, what, what does it mean to be involved uh, in this sort of uh, you know preseason tournament where th- with all these other you know great clubs? I was at the announcement in New York, and you have the the cast of characters that were on stage introducing all these clubs was was pretty amazing. How much are you looking forward to to coming here and playing in this kind of tournament? Well, it's it's a good test for us because these are teams that will also wait in the Champions League for us, so we will see how we can compete with them. It's it's you know it's it's also an honor for us to come to the United States for me for me personally it's also very nice because my family is living in New York so that sure. makes me kind of coming home you know <laughs> so, yeah it's it's like I told you it's a big honor for Leicester um, because you can compete with big names I mean just think about it you have Barcelona PSG Bayern Munich and Leicester so this right. is this is out only this headline or you know, is is outstanding, and we are happy about that to be named with with big clubs and and names like that. Um, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to doing in Los Angeles? Like, I know you're based in New York. Have you spent much time uh, out there on the West Coast? Well, I did a few years ago. Um, I was in LA, so yeah, yeah. You know, it's a nice city. I love it there. I like I like hot weather, to be fair, which is not always the sure. case in New York. Or England. <laughs> oh, oh, well, in the last few days were pretty nice here, so don't understand okay. the weather. Um, okay, but, sure. But yeah, I'm looking forward to a hot and sweaty game against PSG. <laughs> All right. Now, last question. Finish off with with something a little silly. You, you, uh, or maybe not silly. I don't know. You, you mentioned uh, recently that you have aspirations to be an NFL kicker, uh, maybe after your soccer career is over. Um, Really? Like, why? <laughs> I guess yeah, it no, would be my, my question. question. Back, why not? Sure. No fooks given. <laughs> no fooks given. Listen, listen, you got to have dreams in your life, okay? That doesn't mean sure. they will come true, but, you know, I believe I can do it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kicking a ball now since I was, my parents told me since I was eight months old, I'm kicking around a ball, you know, and why not? Why not also in the NFL, you know? I mean, I have a few more years playing football. Obviously, I don't want to stop my career playing football, 
but you know I'm an active person. I like to be on the on the field. I like to play in front of a big crowd. And and I heard that the that one kicker in the NFL ended his career in the age of 49. So right, that's true. You know why not extending a professional uh, career and being an athlete for a couple of years more? You know I'm I'm a vision. Uh, I'm. I think I can do it. I I know that I can kick the ball well. So, yeah, why not being a kicker in the NFL? You tell me, why not? I I I honestly can't give you a give you a very good reason. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> uh, I think it would be great. I think it would be really great, you know. There was one Austrian guy already, Tony Fritsch, who won the Super Bowl twice, who was also a footballer in back in time in Europe and maybe yeah. I'm the second Tony Fritsch. Could be. I hope so. That'd be that'd be great. Uh, do, do you get the chance to to watch a whole lot of NFL? I know that you know the season usually goes on while you're over in Europe, but you do live in the U.S. and it's kind of everywhere here. Well, I'm interested in the NFL. You know, you have you have your week pass uh, on your mobile phone, so yeah, I'm sure. definitely following them. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, Christian, that's all I have. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, good luck the rest of the season and the summer, and uh, thanks for speaking to the Planet Football Podcast. Yeah, great. Thank you. We're honored to be joined today uh, by one of the top scorers all time in MLS history. His 115 goals are fourth most in the league. Right now, his six goals are tied for first. We are happy to be joined by San Jose Earthquakes forward, Chris Wondolowski. Chris, welcome to the SI Planet Football Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it. You know, as Avi said, uh, once again, leading the league in goals. Uh, you're back in the national team frame, obviously. Uh, you know, called in for the qualifiers against Guatemala. We'll get to all that. Uh, first, I want to get to some some critical questions, some hard-hitting questions to start with. Uh, you had another daughter. How's that going? I did. Uh, it's amazing, uh, crazy, uh, all at the same time. Uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, her name is Brinley, and she's uh, one month old right now. And so it's uh, working on the sleeping patterns right now. Uh, but I'm very thankful for my wife right now because uh, she allows me to to sleep uh, quite more than she does. So uh, very, very appreciative of that. Brinley, that's that's an interesting name. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how we uh, really came up with it. We were just kind of spitballing. Uh, Lee's been in in Lindsay's uh, family for a long time, and uh, it's part of her uh, her middle name. And so I don't know. We really like Bryn. We decided to kind of combine the two, and so it was uh, it was one of those things where we just kind of looked at each other. We're like, yeah, we kind of like that. We like uh, you know kind of unique names, and uh, it's amazing. She's she's pretty sweet. Well, Emerson and Brinley, they're they're sort of like Game of Thrones names. You know, they they, <laughs> they sound almost like names you're used to but there's just kind of one little twist in there like like eddard you know exactly exactly that's a yeah that's a good one hopefully it would be kind of like the the stark family or something you know maybe maybe not the lannisters but uh <laughs> right else. how is uh so I, I i see more and more photos of emerson at games and interacting with fans and you know is she uh is she going to be challenging riley curry for the uh as the bay area's leading sports toddler <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone can compete with Riley Curry. She's, uh, I think she's got a, a hold on that one. But uh, Emerson loves going to the games. She uh, loves is getting into soccer. Anytime she sees it, uh, we could be watching Champions League, and she says, "Daddy, uh, Daddy, play." And so I'm like, "Oh, thanks, babe," but no, no uh, I'm right here next to you. But uh, she loves watching it. She loves going to the games. Uh, we have great seats, and so uh, able to see her after the game. And uh, she loves the interaction. She does think she runs the place, though. She is now. <laughs> tries signing autographs and wants to go and meet fans. So luckily for, we have a great uh, front office and the earthquakes do a great job of, uh, you know, catering to her because she thinks she's a big deal right now. Right. So that's what I'm saying. She's going to challenge Riley. Curry. It's going to be Bay area toddler turf war. It's going to be awesome. Um, next important thing. Has, has Dom apologized to you for trading you? Uh, why would he? I, my, my view, I think it was his whole master plan. He knew he was coming back to San Jose. I think that, eventually, that was, uh, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it was all a master plan, but, uh, no, we, we joke about it. And, uh, again, I'm honestly grateful because he did, he could have, uh, traded many different places, but he knew I wanted to be back in San Jose. He was my home. And so, uh, 
there was absolutely no hard feelings and uh we we, we like to joke about it now but uh, yeah even then there was there was nothing no uh no ill will at all you were do you remind him that he never won another championship after he traded you <laughs> neither have i though so i'm, I'm waiting for fair enough, for fair my, enough. so yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> He's got right, last, He's last, the last bit of hard-hitting journalism here. Do you still do the extra W thing on the inside of your shirt? I was obsessed with this in 20. <laughs> that was so cool. And and I'm wondering if that's still a thing, or or is it just when you're with the national team, or what's how has that evolved over the past two two three years? Yeah, I think it's just with the national team now. Uh, you know Jesse Bignami, uh, the equipment yep. guy. He's he's a great guy. Uh, we love joking around. We're we're actually joking around when we were in Guatemala because with the new jerseys and stuff, they're a lot different. And so there's, you know, he was debating where to where to put it. And uh, it was kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of just our ongoing little joke right now. And so it's, uh, uh, but yes, he's, he still puts it in there. He, uh, he still, oh, he, does. Still, cool. he still, he still does that, uh, still doing so, uh, you know, can't, can't mess with that. Right. And so what do you, uh, what did you do with the shirt you scored the hat trick in the original extra W shirt? Yeah, I. I uh, I do. It's um, actually well for uh, Jim Carrey, uh, not Jim Carrey, uh, Drew Carrey. Sorry, uh, right. sold, uh, bought it from, and gave the money to uh, the charities I wanted to choose, and so I gave it to uh, Street Soccer USA and N Seven, um, and so I uh, I sold it to him, and so he wow, was awesome. he was kind of yeah, exactly. It was you're pretty a better cool. person than me. I would I would I would have had. <laughs> Oh, I, so. I, I do have memorabilia from that game, and uh, Jesse Jesse hooked me up with it uh, pretty good. So uh, I'm I'm all set with that. But I I figured this was a good good chance to uh, to help some others as well. He's too nice to be on the show, Avi. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, as Avi mentioned, uh, you've got six goals in seven games. You're 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 tied with Fernando Adi for the league lead. Um, goals in three straight games. You're informed, man. Just describe it. Describe what that feels like. You know, what do you think the reasons are? I mean, obviously, the, the, you're on a team that's still a bit in flux, trying to find the right combinations in midfield, dealing with a couple injuries. But you seem to be locked in. Well, what does that feel like right now, and why do you think that is? Yeah, I think there's a, it's a combination of a couple things. One, I, uh, you know, I do feel that we have some great players, uh, you know, that we've added. And we've added some very dynamic players especially in the offensive third and that can do different things. You know, I think in the past we've relied a lot on crossing and things of that nature, but you know, you had a guy like Simon Dawkins and Alberto Quintero who can then take the ball on the run and kind of create stuff, uh, you know, dribbling and coming through the middle and add a little bit more possession as well. And I think that really helps us. And uh, I think we're creating a lot more opportunities and especially when uh, I get to be paired up with Quincy Ameriqua, get uh, it, Helps me uh, so much because he's able to create so much space. He holds up the ball well, and then uh, you know find find bits and pieces in the box. And you know, uh, strikers a funny funny position. Sometimes you know you you miss hit them, they go in. Sometimes you hit them right where you want them, and uh, world class save or off the post or you know something happens and you can't buy a goal. And so I'll take them while I can right now, and uh, hopefully kind of stay hot. Well, some of these numbers, I mean, again, Avi mentioned some of these numbers. They're ridiculous. I mean, you're entering only your seventh year as a starter. You've got 115 goals. Uh, you're only 18 behind Jaime Moreno. Um, and as a D.C. guy, I have mixed feelings about that. Uh, <laughs> you're only 29 uh, uh, behind Landon. Um, since you started, I don't know if you know this, since you, since you established yourself as a starter in 2010, you're scoring .63 goals per 90 minutes. And the only MLS player ever that has a higher strike rate than that is Robbie Keane, um, who scored a meaningful number of goals. So I guess you've proven you're not a fluke, right? I mean, you know, th these are these are legit numbers. I mean, <laughs> how did it make you feel to hear that? And, and, you know, you're a guy who, you know, you're no longer coming out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't know those numbers, and that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, that, that does mean a lot because I, I do – I do want to produce, you know, each 90 minutes because you want to win the game. And, and that's uh, that's most important. I, I do hope that goals keep coming. But um, I I'm a strong believer that when we win games and when we play well, we create a lot of opportunities. And uh, when we do that, I tend to find myself on a couple of those opportunities. And, you know, uh, one or two might go in. And so that's uh, that's why I do have to credit a lot to my teammates, because they've they've been creating a lot of these opportunities. And 
you know, goal against uh, New York Red Bull. Shea Salinas just put it right there on a platter and it's uh, off his cross. And so it's uh, things like that that makes it fun also to go out here and play and uh, enjoy this locker room a lot. Well, you, you've always been a team-oriented guy and you've always sort of talked about, I mean, I've heard you say things like that before, but I've also wondered if, if, if you are at all sort of driven by any kind of chip on your shoulder. Do you, do you feel the years that you sat on the bench? Do, do, you, do you still sort of say, you were essentially an eighth-round draft pick? I mean, that's insane. <laughs> Tom Brady went in the sixth round, right? I mean, do you – does that light a fire? Did it at some point and it no longer does? I mean, are, are you still driven by that desire to sort of prove that you were unappreciated or unwatched or something like that? Yeah, you always use things, use tools to motivate you. And um, I love it when people say I can't do something or I'm not good enough to do to do this or do that. Um, I, it doesn't motivate me during games or get me fired up, but uh, I use it a lot during uh, my off-season workouts or just workouts in general. It's kind of when I hit the wall and think that I you know, don't really want to do another set or keep going. Uh, you know, I think about these things and that's kind of what drives me and because you always want to prove people wrong, and uh, I love love trying to do that. Why at this point do you think people still think that or say that? Or I mean, what what do you have to do to to kind of make your point? Oh no, I mean it's you know they're all they're, that's one thing that I love about soccer is that it's so opinionated and every yeah, everyone game has their has, exactly yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, everyone can have a different opinion about it you know the same game uh, you know you, you watch you have a hundred people watch the same game and everyone has a different opinion who played well who played poorly why the goal was given up and things like that. And that's what I love about it. And so, um, you know, I have, I have no problems with that, but uh, it's just one of those things that, I don't know, I think any athlete, any athlete is competitive. I know I'm, uh, I'm very competitive. And so if, you know, someone tells me I'm going to lose or I'm not good enough or something like that, I want to be like, no, I, I, I can win. I'm, I'm going to show you I can, I can play at this level. I can, I can be good, uh, you know, a good player and things of that nature. And so I think it's more of the competitiveness in me that comes out rather than, you know, trying to put it back in someone's face or something like that. Sort of like when people think that a ball coming over your left shoulder uh, that you've got to hit first time with your right foot off the bounce and a seven-foot-tall goalkeeper coming at you at full <laughs> speed taking up the whole net is basically equivalent to a ball resting on the goal line that you just <laughs> have to nudge in. Yeah, uh, you know, something like that. And so um, I know that it will always be something that will always be talked about and I know I'll always be synonymous with that but uh you know I've it, it'll always you know be with me and uh always one of my regrets but it's something that I'm you know I'm okay with uh you know I'll, I'll never be okay with it but you know I'm able to to live my life and there's more to it and I'm uh I'm still going to try to live the happiest life as I can and I sure wish I could have that playback and yes it does haunt me but it's, um, I can't change it now. It, it just, I guess it, I mean, I was there in the stadium. I remember sort of the inhale as, as I think it was Jermaine sort of got yeah. a, got a head on it. Um, and that was a 50, 50 chance to me. I mean, that was not a gimme by any stretch. Is it something that if you had another go at, you could put in? Yeah, maybe, but yeah. it's not, it's not a ball that was sitting a foot from the goal line you know, just waiting for someone to tap it in. That was not, that was not a slam dunk of a chance. And so I guess it's that, like no. you said, everyone has their opinion. Um, that's mine. Right. Thank you. And I appreciate that. And, uh, agree with you, but it's one of those things where I have to put on frame, uh, worst case scenario. So, uh, well, and that's, that's, and that's, that's right. the part that will always. And I remember talking to you before the world cup and I remember saying to you something like, you know, you're, you're there for that chance, right? You were there to come right. in at the end of a game when the U S needed a goal and you were going to get that chance, and you got it. So I, I, yeah. understand, I understand both sides, um, but I think you're going to be synonymous for more than just that. At least I hope. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, and I hope so. But you know, it's a uh, it's part of it, and it's part of the the territory. But you know, all you can do is uh, keep working on the present and future. Well, as far as the future, I mean, is 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 catching Landon important? I mean, at this rate, you could get there by the end of next season. I mean, is that something that you know? Talk about being what you're synonymous with being the league's all-time regular season goal scorer would be pretty sweet. I mean, is that something that, that is driving you now or something you you're seeing sort of out there on the horizon? Uh, it's pretty crazy that, you know, it's kind of getting there, you know, in the, you know, even scoring a hundred goals, that's pretty amazing to me. And it still truly hasn't sunk in. Um, that, that isn't what drives me though. Um, 
would it be nice? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely know the history of the league. I've followed it. I, you know, I know all about it. And so I, I, I know how special it is, but that, it definitely doesn't drive me. I, uh, I love winning. I, I'm very competitive in everything I do, uh, whether it's the ping pong game, you know, before practice or, you know, a seven aside game in practice. I want to win those. And if I don't, I'm literally legitimately going to be bummed for the rest of the day. And uh, I, I think that's what I want to, uh, you know, keep, keep driving it towards is, is winning. And, you know, I really do believe, I said it earlier, that when we win, we create a lot of chances. And I usually find myself on those. And so uh, my philosophy is let's win as many games as possible. And I think I'll uh, be able to score a couple. Well, let's, let's, let's move on to sort of the national team picture. Um, you, you were, you, again, you were called up for the Guatemala games. You were called up for the Confederations Cup playoff. Uh, so you're in, in the mix, but you haven't played for the team, I, I think, since the Gold Cup last summer, if I'm not mistaken. So, yep. so, so where, where do you see yourself now in that picture? Where, where are you on Jurgen's Rolodex at this point? Uh, you're 33 years old. You're still scoring goals. Where do you fit in? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I think that, you know, especially the forward pool is getting deeper and deeper, and there's some uh, great guys that are stepping up and doing some great things. Uh, you look at Bobby Wood and Jordan Morris and uh, guys like that that are, you know, playing really well. And so definitely uh, makes my job hard. But, you know, uh, anytime you get called in, you want to play. But I, I do relish every opportunity, and it's an honor to get called in. Even when I'm in camps, I, I feel, and I'm even if I'm not playing, I still feel I have a leadership role and able to show an example and able to help some of these young guys, whatever it is, you know, whether it's through practice or through certain certain things um you know i try to try to help as much as i can and um you know but i would love another opportunity um you know and will it will it come i have no idea but one thing i do know is uh coach clinsman plays pays very close attention to all games and all of his players and what they're doing and what form they're in and you know it, it would be amazing to uh play for playing the copa um but you know will it happen i i don't know i think that hopefully i'm in good form and you know, just kind of keep my fingers crossed, I guess, because, uh, you know, I definitely want to be there, I guess. Well, you meant you mentioned Jordan and, and Bobby. Um, it's, you know, I, every time uh, every time Jurgen releases a roster, I've got to do this story where I like I break it down, you know, by position and who didn't make it, who did. And you're you get on Twitter and you see everyone's opinion. And, you know, th there is this kind of weird moment of transition for the team now. Right. Where we're, we're two years out of a World Cup, two years to go. Um, you know, maybe some younger players coming in, some older guys getting phased out. And, and, and it, there is kind of this tension, right, between do you go with the veterans, do you go with the, the new guys who have talent but are unproven. And there does seem to certainly be a segment of the fan base that when the 30-plus-year-old guys do get called in, they're like, oh, God, you know, these guys, again, roll their eyes. I want to see the young dudes. You know, do you understand that? Like, does that, does that hurt you a little bit when you see that sort of thing? Or, or, or does, it, does it motivate you to kind of – yeah, we want to bring the young guys along, but not yet exactly. Sort of, how do you see that that dynamic unfolding? No, I mean it's kind of interesting because I don't know. I have such a special insight to it. You know, I see a lot of these guys on a day to day basis. You know, for a month long camp or however long, and so it's funny to see some opinions on Twitter. And it's uh, you know sometimes spot on, sometimes complete opposite of how it is. And um, you know, it's it's kind of funny to see. I, um, I know that my time is going to come up and probably sooner than later where I'm not going to get called in uh, anymore. But, you know, until then, I, you know, you want to and you want to take that opportunity. You'll never turn down a chance to a uh, chance to play. But, you know, it's almost like NFL football where a lot of fans always always want the backup quarterback if uh, the starting one is right. struggling a bit, you know. And so it's, you know, it's not necessarily fair to the to that guy, it's not fairly fair to the starter. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of a catch-22. The grass is always greener thing that, uh, you know, can always get, get people in trouble if, you know, if you kind of buy into that and believe it. So, you know, I think that all coaches do a good job. And believe me, it's not just on a whim of, you know, a certain player. They like a certain player. They they, they do their homework and they evaluate players in, in every way possible. And so it's, uh, it's always kind of funny to see that. Well, and it's funny to go from a guy – specifically you and there, and there's some other guys on the team that fit this role as well sort of like you were once the underdog you know you were once you're once the guy everyone's rooting for to get a shot and then when you sort of become the established veteran now everyone wants to see you go again you know like like yeah. you said like the back quarterback syndrome 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Live long, you know, Batman, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's uh it's funny. You you were you were part of that Gold Cup team and 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 it was not a good tournament and that sort of seemed to to start a, a bit of a slide for the national team that went through the game against Mexico, you know, the loss to Guatemala and 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 maybe things turned around with the win in Columbus, but what went wrong last summer and, and what did, what have you, how would you assess, I don't know what the right word is, kind of the malaise that, that hit this team kind of a summer after a World Cup uh, that, that led to a poor tournament and some results that kind of had people a little, little anxious? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think myself and to every player will say that no one uh, had the best tournament and we definitely didn't play, uh, play the best of our ability and it didn't have to do with... Uh, you know, a personnel or for, formation, uh, you know, I, I think that just at times we we didn't play up to our capability. We, you know, and this game is also, it's evolved. And I know that in the past, everyone could always just write in pen, you know, it's going to be Mexico versus USA in the final. It's, it's not like that anymore with CONCACAF. It's, it's a battle. And, uh, you know, not every game is going to be a pretty one. And not every game is going to be, you know, four or five, nothing. It's, uh, they're going to be grinds. And, it wears on us. It wears on teams, and it's um, you know a lot of credit though, especially credit to the Jamaica and Panama who beat us in the tournament. And it's um, you know it was it was a tough one, tough one to take. But uh, I think that we have to rebound, and I think that we are headed in the right direction. And I think that we need to continue taking those steps. And um, it's it's a tough one to to try to find the right personnel out there and try to. There's a lot of different different scenarios that you have to use, and you want to you have to bring along some of the young guys. You have to still play some of the veteran guys, um, and so I think that it's a it's a fine balance over you know a year and two after the World Cup of uh, trying to do that. And, you know, I think that you look at it, Germany, and um, they're not necessarily playing their best, but um, you know, I'd still when a World Cup comes, I, I would still take them, and you know, I think that's you know, I, th I think it's a tough thing right after World Cup, and it does sound like a bit of an excuse, but I, I really do have faith in this U.S. team, and I think that we're going to bounce back and get out of hex, get get into the hex, and uh, then qualify for World Cup, which is all that matters. I, I I believe you on all of that stuff, but I also know that I never want to cover a Gold Cup third place game again. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm... All right, good. All right. Um, Last thing on the national team. I mean, you, you've got 31 caps, 10 goals. Uh, you've got a gold cup medal somewhere in your house, I would imagine, uh, from uh, 2013. You know, again, if someone had told you seven, eight years ago, um, if you never play for the U.S. again, that's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you've got double-digit yeah, well, goals. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, like you said, if someone told me that seven years ago, I thought I'd be crazy have a CONCACAF golden boot, uh, gold cup medal, you know, the world cup, got to play in a world cup. It, it really is uh, amazing, but it's one of those things where I, you know, you still want it to go. You're not content with it quite yet. And uh, right. it's, to be honest, it still hasn't even sunk in yet. It's still going to, I think it's one of those things that will kind of sink in after, after everything's all said and done. And when I'm watching a world cup on TV and, uh, or, you know, going to the U S games and rooting and in the, you know, Sam's army and stuff like that. It's uh, that, that's when I think it'll be sinking in. Are, are, are you, are you going to someday be stumbling through the world's largest outdoor bar at Avaya stadium? Is that what you're telling oh, me? Abs absolutely. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to have my, that's where my season tickets will be. Gotcha. Think, is, uh, awesome. is over there, either there with the ultras. And so, uh, one of the two. Let's, uh, let's finish up with talking about the stadium and, and, and the quakes and, and where things are with MLS. Uh, you know, I, I remember, you saying a while back, just, you know, when you re-signed with San Jose and they sort of finally, you know, you started making uh, a, a salary commensurate with your, with your output. And you talked about just, you know, you're from that area and, and what it would mean to you to, to play at a, at a, at a new stadium uh, in, in your, you know, that you in, helped build in a way, a club that meant so much to you, to have your family be able to come watch you play. Um, what's, what's it been like? I mean, you've gotten there for a year. I mean, is the, has the dream you know, does, has the reality matched the dream for you? Is, is is it worth maybe turning, you know, turning down opportunities to go abroad or 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 go elsewhere to sort of have that experience playing there now? 
Um, I believe so. I, I, I love it. I love coming in every day. Uh, we have a great locker room. We have our training facility here as well. And so, you know, you get to use it, come in here every day and it's, uh, it's pretty special. I love, I love our stadium. I love how loud it gets with our fans and, uh, how they kind of drive us through the 90 minutes. That's amazing. And the stadium is absolutely beautiful. And so, um, also being able, uh, you know, my hometown right around the air, right around the corner. And so having friends and family come, come to games, it's uh, truly special because I really think that the community has bought into it and, you know, think of this stadium as theirs and it's uh, kind of given us an identity and it's, uh, it's pretty special. And I think that it's going to just continue to grow and, you know, I definitely enjoy it. Weirdly enough, the only two MLS markets I've never covered a game in are San Jose oh, really? and Houston. Yeah. <laughs> the, so your, your, your two clubs are the teams I've never seen play. Home, <laughs> um, Got to do that so, sometime. So you're in the second year at the new stadium, uh, the second year now under, under Dom. And it's it's crazy for me. I was looking just at, at just sort of the basic statistics and records. And it's crazy to think that the Shield and the Goonies and that whole incredible run that was 2012, man. I mean, that was that was four years ago. And what's at stake now? Because you you've you know that's receding quickly into history. And and you know the team hasn't made the playoffs. You've changed coaches. You've entered, like you said, this beautiful new stadium. There's a bigger spotlight now on the on the league and the club than ever before. I mean, isn't it time to win? Isn't it time to sort of turn things around and get back in the playoffs? There, there, there's got to be some pressure and some tension uh, coming into this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we. I think we put the most pressure on ourselves because we, we believe that we should uh, we should make the playoffs. And I think that last year we were close, but, you know, kind of sputtered at the end. And I, you know, it's it's such a funny league with so much parity. And we we're vying with uh, Portland the whole time. And, I thought, you know, at times we're ahead of them. We're we're looking good. And, uh, you know, they they had just how they, they they made the playoffs. They made a They had a great run at the end and uh, we're playing some of the best soccer and then, you know, I'll go on and win the championship. I think that just shows you how close you can be. And I think it's one of those things that kind of gives us the belief though, where we know that we can play with the best teams. We, we know that each day, day in, day out that we, we expect to get three points and we're not, we're not going to settle for ties anymore. We're not going to settle for, Ooh, at least we, we played well, but that was a close game. They just, got one at the end and uh barely beat us no we, we we're expecting to win this game and we we were expecting to make the playoffs and i think that's something that we've really believed in the locker room and you know it's going to i think continue and i think a lot of that just comes down to our mentality that you know starts with dom and trickles down and i think that we need to have that to a man well the, the parody is crazy i mean again not to not to make excuses or whatever but you know you finished uh in seventh place last season but you're only four points out of fourth, you know? So, yeah. so it is, you never know what bounce during the course of a season is going to be the thing that, that makes the difference at the end. Exactly. It's so true. And it's such a long season, but every game, every play, every call matters. And it's, uh, cause you look at back at the, at the season, uh, you know, in those past, you know, you said since 2012, two of those years or last year we lost, you know, we missed the playoffs by like, I forget, like two, three points. And then, uh, you know, Three years ago, we lost on tiebreaker by right. amount of Colorado. goals. So yep. you know, you, you we scored, and so it's uh it's crazy how literally just one point, one bounce, one ball, uh, one call is making that difference. Last thing you said, you said you wanted to play uh, in the Copa America. Um, obviously, that opens uh, at Levi Stadium right down the road. Um, you also got the All Star Game this summer, and one of my one of my favorite Wando moments is, and 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 we've written about this and talked about this is that audio of John Terry at the all-star game, I think in Philadelphia where, you know, at that time, you know, one of the top two or three central defenders in the world tells you in person that your movement is, is crazy and he can't stay with you. Um, I hope that's still like an awesome moment for you. I, I, I love it. Um, and I'm just thinking, you know, how, how cool would it be for you to step on the field, uh, you know, in San Jose against Arsenal, uh, this summer. And, and I realize Copa is bigger but in a sense, that could be a really neat moment for you as you sort of look toward the end of your career. And and uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that coming up. Oh, absolutely. That would be, you know, just kind of the cherry on top. That would be an unreal. Um, be able to celebrate the All-Star game, like you said, against Arsenal at, you know, at Avaya Stadium, you know, home stadium from uh, the home crowd, it, having my friends, family there. Um, you know, it, it, would, it would be amazing. And, 
you know, playing against Chelsea was right up there with, uh, you know, John Terry saying that. And that, that will always stick with me and is one of my best memories and, uh, you know, greatest times. But, uh, you know, hopefully have even better uh, this summer with, with that uh, at, at the All-Star game because that would truly be special. Yeah, if you want to see Twitter turn against you, score against Arsenal. There's something about <laughs> there's something about Twitter in this country when Arsenal plays. It, it's it's uh, very angsty and 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 nasty. So uh, I don't know why <laughs> a lot of Arsenal fans in the U.S. Yep, yes, there are. Do you have a, Do you have a team? Do you have a Do you have a foreign team that you support? Just curious. I I do. Uh, Tottenham actually. Oh wow. I've been, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. I've been a Tottenham fan for uh, for a while, and yeah. So I'm I'm liking how they've been playing and. Can't believe Leicester City's done what they've done, but um, you know, hopefully we can still catch them. Either one. Amazing. If Tottenham wins their first championship in 50 years, they'll somehow be the bad guys because they ruined it for Leicester. Right. Exactly. That's <laughs> so, rough. That's, yeah. So. Listen, Chris, this was awesome. Thank you. Uh, we will we will not bet against you playing in Copa, playing <laughs> at the All Star Game, uh, winning winning the Golden Boot again. You've you've proven time and again uh, that that you are for real, and uh, we really appreciate the time. Uh, this was great. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. There you have it. I want to thank Christian Fuchs and Chris Wondolowski for their time. Very, uh, very interesting interviews, very different interviews for sure. I want to thank Ben Littleton for joining us earlier, Brian Strauss, Alex Abnos, our producer and interviewer this week. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and come back next week for the Planet Football Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.